Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the incalculable Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? Happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and we thank you for choo-choo choosing the Fire and Water Podcast. <laughs> you realize they're going to hear this the day after Valentine's Day, right? Uh, yeah, I, look, it's the only joke I had. I mean, what do you want me to tell <laughs> So we are back, folks. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about just some Firestorm and Aquaman news that have been going on. Firestorm made a big, big, big splash on the Flash TV show this past week. And Aquaman's got some news, some pretty big news as well. Sure does. But before we do that, though, so tonight I went and had dinner with one of our fellow podcasters, someone from the Two True Freaks Network, a Dr. Bill Robinson. Had a very nice time. We talked, uh, we ate big old burgers and hot dogs and talk comics and life and everything else. Super nice guy. Really enjoyed hanging out with him. Is he a real doctor or is he like a Dr. Fate doctor? Um, I don't know that I'm allowed to answer that question. Okay. So I think we'll leave it as it is. And and besides, before that, I went and went to a local comic shop that I have not been to in many, many moons and found out they have a big old discount bin in the back. Now, they are dollar comics, not 25-cent comics or 50-cent comics, so... I wasn't too excited, but I was a little excited. Thanks, so. Obama. <laughs> but found some pretty cool stuff. And I mean, I, I had in my hands at one point a whole bunch of DC Star Trek comics. The the run that's, uh, I guess, going to be covered in this who's who in Star Trek. I uh, I almost bought a bunch of those. But they were like in the, the mid-30s, 40s issue run. And I was like, you know, I've got like the first 20 and I still haven't read them. And I don't really want to pay a dollar an issue. So I put them back. Then I had in my hands and almost bought. Um, I had Sun Devils. Sun Devils <laughs> in my hand. And had like issues three through like 11. And I'm like a full run. And I'm like, wow. And then I'm like, well, I don't have one, two, or 12. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the beginning or the end. <laughs> and a dollar a pop. I'm like, nah. 
so I put him back. Oh, so somewhere Dan Jurgens is crying. What's that? Somewhere Dan Jurgens is crying. He probably is. He probably is. So anyway, I did end up buying um, Star Wars number two though, the new the new Star Wars number two. I haven't read it yet though. I uh, I read Star Wars number two. I liked it more than I liked Star Wars number one. Wow. Uh, and I also bought Darth Vader number one, uh, which I actually liked better than either issue of Star Wars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked Darth Vader number not, one. Not too much fan service with Jabba being in it and everything? Uh, no, I liked it. I, I won't, I will not get into any of the details for anyone who hasn't heard it or hasn't read it or you haven't read it or anything, but to me, it takes plot strands left from the first movie and pushes them forward as opposed to. I thought the Star Wars book, which is sort of kind of giving you more of the same. And okay. I don't mean that as a really nasty criticism. It's just sort of like, hey, you enjoyed Han and Luke and Leia on an adventure in the movie? Well, here's them on another adventure. Well, to me, Darth Vader, number one, actually took a storyline that the movie could never really do. Mm. And did it in comics. Form. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And there's also an ad for yet another Star Wars title they're doing, which is, I think, a character from Rebels is getting his own book. So and oh, really? I, I didn't know that. So I'm sort of like, do I get that? I don't know. I'm definitely getting the Princess Leia type miniseries. But right now, Marvel's been impressing me with the Star Wars book. So I'm I'm inclined to get that first issue of the Rebels book just because they're on a roll. Well, you know, it's interesting the the Rebels um, thing. So uh, Gene Hendricks sent me just recently an article, and this will be somewhat meaningless to you, I suppose. But Cisco will get a hoot out of it. Um, basically, comparing Rebels to the old Star Wars D6 role playing game from West End Games. Okay. So it's just interesting. They're basically ba- saying that the the show is laid out exactly like a role playing game. So I found that fascinating. How is the show laid out like a role playing? Role playing games sort of happen a certain way. Certain things happen. Certain. <laughs> You know what? You're not a role player. It's not worth explaining to you. Those of you, those of you in the audience that are role players get what I mean. Role-playing games have a certain ebb and flow in nature of the way things happen, especially okay. with dice and everything. Right. And uh, the Anyway, look, Google it, folks. Look up uh, Rebels and Role-Playing Game, and you'll find the article. It's only a week or two old. So Anyway, but you know what we need to do? Pay some bills. We need to thank our sponsor. Maybe it's another way to put it. A little nicer, you know. Anyway, folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. I'm going to take the first one this week so I can plug a friend. Folks, uh, if you haven't been listening to Parallel Lines, a tangent podcast by uh, Sean Engel and Michael Bradley. You really, really, really should. It's a fun podcast. It's covering the tangent comics from the 90s. Even if you haven't read the tangent comics from the 90s, I think you'll get a hoot out of it. A lot of the people that write in have either never read it or reading it for the first time. So here's your opportunity, folks. You can actually order from InStock Trades Tangent Comics Volume 2 and Tangent Comics Volume 3. That's, the guys are actually covering the comics in Volume 2 right now, so it's the perfect time to jump on. I would mention volume one, but they don't have it on in-stock trades for some reason, but you can find it on eBay. Anyway, so this one collects uh, Tangent Comics, Joker, Nightwing, Batman, Secret Six, Doom Patrol, and uh, you can get that. Uh, here's some of the people involved, dude. Carl Kessel, John Ostinger, Chuck Dixon, Dan Jurgens, Sean Chen, Klaus Jansen, Matt Haley. Come on. Really? How awesome is that? Uh, page count, 192 pages. Normally retails for $19.99. You can get it 42% off right now, $11.59. Volume 3, by the way, same price scheme, 
and you pick up more creators like Mark Millar, Peter David, Ron Mars, uh, Daryl Banks, J.H. Williams III, Ryan Sook. Amazing collection of creators in there. By the way, I think they're actually on Volume 3 right now. Doesn't matter. Order them both. Then go find Volume 1. Then write me a personal thank you note on stationery, handwritten, please. What you got, Rob? Okay. Uh, related to the news we're going to get into momentarily about the new Aquaman team, I picked something written by uh, Cullen Bunn, who is the new Aquaman writer. I have not read any of Mr. Bunn's comics to this point, but I went around. <laughs> look, what? Can I just get it out of the way now? What? <laughs> His last name's Bunn's. <laughs> uh, wow. So anyway, I decided to pick something that I thought looked interesting that he wrote, which is uh, Marvel's The Fearless Defenders. Uh, this is new team, new villains, new creators. Valkyrie and Misty Knight are the fearless defenders. And not since Power Man and Iron Fist has an unlikely duo kicked this much. Well, you know. Uh, it said it's written by Cullen Bunn and drawn by Will Sliney. Sliney? I'm not sure how you say his name. This collects fearless defenders numbers one through six. And has a super fun cover of Valkyrie and Misty Knight facing off against a bunch of demons. Uh, it's 144 pages. The normal price is $15.99. Instruct trades price is $9.27. It's 42% off. Like I said, I haven't read this, uh, but it looks fun, and I will be picking some of this stuff up in anticipation of Mr. Bun taking over on Aquaman. So why don't I give Fearless Defenders a try? Awesome. Well, once again, folks, pick up all of those at InStockTrades.com, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Um, we're getting a new refrigerator tomorrow. And so we're in the process of, you know, taking everything out of the fridge and putting it in coolers and all this stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'll look for those early issues of Kyle Rayner where his mother is bloodily murdered and bent in half and shoved in a refrigerator. Gail Simone will appreciate me doing that. So, But turns out they're not on in-stock trade, so you're all off the hook. Had to mention it. So, uh, this week on... Uh, I, I almost called the show Firestorm. Sorry. It pretty much uh, is at this point. It, it really... Well, it should be Flash and Firestorm and their atomic friends. It should be the name of the show. The Flash and Firestorm Nuclear Power Hour. Oh, that's genius. Perfect. Actually, maybe it should be Firestorm and Flash. Anyway. Um, so... You know, you look at the progression of weeks here. I think it's last week we got drunk Caitlin in her underwear, and then this episode we get Firestorm. It's two weeks in a row that are great. I'm so happy. So, uh, okay. Episode opens with – I'm just going to do a real quick high-level recap. So is that okay? <laughs> Since when do you need my permission to do these? Plus, <laughs> plus you never do high-level recaps. This will now – we will now spend ten minutes getting down to the details of this plot. So All right, ahead. someone start the clock. On your mark, get set, go. Episode opens. The body of Firestorm confronts a man in a parking lot and says, I'm your old friend, Martin Stein. He then burns the guy. Then our friend, friend of the show, Hartley Holmberg, who is, by the way, a stand-in actor, lays on a gurney in a bunch of makeup and pretends to be that guy who got burned. He is a matchhead and a, and a friend of ours. Then uh, a bunch of stuff happens with like time travel and, and, and reverse flash and stuff. Then Firestorm can, is, is met up by the gang, the Scooby gang. They take him to Star Labs, get him cleaned up. They find out he's Professor Stein. They talk to him like Professor Stein. He's in Ronnie's body. Suddenly they figure out his temperature's going up, not because he sees his girlfriend again, but because he's going to go nuclear. So he decides to leave, goes out. They go, oh gosh, where did Ronnie go? My eight-year-old daughter turns to me and says, maybe he had to go poo, daddy. Anyway, so then uh, they find him out in the Badlands. 
He's going to go nuclear. Caitlin slaps a cool Firestorm design from the costume on him. He goes bloop, 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 and he appears to explode as they run away. But as we all know, next week, it turns out they didn't explode. They just fissioned the end of the story. Very good. Well, you didn't do any of the Flash, though. I thought you were going to incorporate the Flash plot, too. So. Oh, yeah, the Flash was in this episode also. Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> that really was my favorite part, where they're like, where did Ronnie go? And lit- I'm not kidding. My eight-year-old turned to me and said, Daddy, maybe he had to go poo which I thought was so cute. Eight-year-old girl saying that is hilarious. 40-something-year-old man saying it on a podcast, maybe a little weird, but anyway. So lots of stuff to go over. The guy that, you're going to appreciate this, the guy that got burned in the beginning, the scientist guy who, you know, Martin slash Ferrani came up and said, hey, uh, we used to know each other in college, that guy who got burned? Yeah. That is Quentin Quayle, who works for Concordance Research. Ring any bells? Vaguely. Quentin Quayle from Concordance Research is the run of Firestorm we're reading right now, the old Jerry Conway, Pat Broderick stuff. That's Martin's boss, who was a complete tool oh, in fire. Yeah. Oh, okay. And wow. fired Martin. So some, a Zoom Yukonori uh, emailed me and said, it's kind of funny that in the comics, Quentin Quayle fires Martin, and in the show, he fired Quentin. And I, I wasn't kidding in my recap, if you could follow how fast I was talking. The guy on the stretcher in the makeup was not the same actor who played Quentin. It was our buddy, Hartley Holmberg, who is a Firestorm fan. So that's pretty cool. That is very cool. Then uh, what else can we talk about? Uh, Jerry Conway gets name-checked. That was great. I love the Conway, the Conway Fellowship or the Conway Grant, is that what they called it? Something or that. I, I didn't actually pick up on it. Um, I was so enwrapped in the show that I didn't even, it went right past me. So other people had to tell me, and then, in fact, right before the show, to be fair, Rob verified it for me. Yeah, that jumped out at me when I when I watched it. And part of the reason I, I sort of like it more now is because we know that Jerry, and we don't know this as if we've talked to him, but we're pretty confident, like, Jerry is seeing some money from the show. So, I think like, so, yeah. I, 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 think, I thought I saw him say that he was somewhere, that, that, that he has an agreement, because in the older days, you know, they would name things after the creators, and you're like, yeah, well, the creators weren't seeing any money. You know, like, screw the tribute, give me a check, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I think in this case, Jerry is both getting a check and a tribute, which is perfect. Because, well, you know, the, good Lord, they're taking all of his ideas and putting them on TV. Well, that was the uh, that was the era where Jeanette Kahn had all the creators sign those agreements where anything they created, they got profit sharing in. Right. So, yeah, he should absolutely be getting checks for Firestorm, Ronnie, Martin Stein, and... All of the villains. All the villains, yeah. <laughs> almost all the villains that appeared in The Flash and all the ones that will be coming up. So I'm just waiting for Weasel to make his debut any week now. Slipknot. So. Slipknot. Slipknot! So. Hey, we got the news that there's going to be Bug-Eyed Bandit for Pete's sakes. I couldn't believe that. It's the girl from Walking Dead, too. It's Beth. <laughs> I saw that on Facebook where it was like, this character is coming to fi- coming to The Flash as a Firestorm villain. I thought, that's interesting because I'm reading the article. And I'm scrolling down, I'm scrolling down, and it's not mentioning who it is. I'm like, who? I'm like, who else? Because I know that like the Golden Glider is going to be on Flash. Yeah. So I'm like, who else is a female villain? And then it said Buckeye Bandit. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what are you kidding? Well, you did say Firestorm villain. You mean? Uh, I meant uh, I meant yeah. villain. Instead, yeah. you know, I just thought, okay, it'll be some. You know, I'm just thinking, right. what is the other female villain that Flash has? Because Golden Glider is the only one I can think of offhand. And then I just thought, oh my god, they're doing, but I can't bug eye bandit. I that is that is either a dare, someone like dared Jeff Johns to bring back the bug eye bandit, or 
they listen to our podcast of Who's Who. I think what well, can be both. Could be both. It could very well be both. Uh, did you notice Martin's wife in the episode? Into uh, what do you refer? Did you notice her name? What was it? Clarissa. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that is the same name as Martin's ex-wife right. in the comics. And she is, in the comics, she is a manipulative, trampy little woman. Purple-layered, lilac-tinted, huge whore. I don't like her. Dude, she's horrible. She's high-ranking in the 2000 committee. She's trying to take over the friggin' country. And she's doing it through the abuse of her ex-husband and his friends. Okay. And then she sleeps around with Martin's friends. All right, okay. She's bad news all, all the right, way. All right, okay. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, there were a lot of significant differences, obviously, between the, the comic character and the one we saw on screen. Um, primarily would be when he's in the form of Firestorm, so far, it's actually Martin Stein controlling the body. Right. It's Ronnie's body with Martin in control, which is very different than the comics. I thought they were going to alternate back and forth as far as who was controlling. And I thought we would actually hear Victor Garber's voice coming out of uh, Robbie Amell. But none of that. Not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that was very different. But interestingly to note, I started doing some thinking about it. The very first Firestorm issue, back from 1977... All right, And if someone tells me it's 1978, you're wrong. That's just the cover date. It actually came out in December 77. Anyway, um, Firestorm actually was like a very different sort of being. He was this gestalt single entity. He was a merger of Ronnie and the Professor as one entity. Um, you know, sort of like the Cyhawk from, from Cyforce. I had to throw that out there. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. Anyway, um, so he was really a gestalt being. In fact, at one point in Firestorm number one, he's, he's Firestorm talking to himself, not to any, each other. And then they delve into the consciousness, and he purposely separates Ronnie and the professor for them to have a conversation, and then reintegrates them. So in number one, it's one conscious being. So that's kind of felt like more of what we saw here, because this Firestorm was really one being. It was it was Stein controlling him, but he still had Ronnie's memories. You know, he, he was connected to both of them, you know, instead of two people talking, really. Uh, now, by issue number two, that was all out the window, and it was your more traditional Firestorm. But So it was interesting that I, I felt like it, not a callback, but it was more similar to that. Hmm. Then the costume, uh, we saw the, 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 whatever they call it, the splicer, atomic splicer, nuclear right, splicer, right. something or other. Um, that is obviously the Firestorm symbol. For him, from his costume, the insignia, and clearly it is not does not go on that GQ Old Navy sweater vest that he wears. It's uh, it is in fact attaches to whatever he wears. And Robbie Amell, in fact, backed that up in an interview where he said the purpose of that is not what the pictures we saw. It just goes on whatever he is wearing. So next episode we'll see he's wearing a black, you know, coat, and it goes on the black coat. So, and he did, and he did indicate that. Um, Let's see, during the interview, what did he say? Let me find the right. He goes, I'm sure down the road there will be a legitimate costume. So, <laughs> that'll be interesting. At this rate, I'm pretty sure they're going to do the big fiery head with the, with the flat top. He does have a fiery head. No, I mean like they're literally going to put him in that helmet with the flat head and have fire shootouts. I don't think so. That'd be awesome. Well, you, you know you've what? said that every single I'm episode. Wrong. You know what? They're probably going to slap him in the exact costume he yep. wears in the comics just to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm which I don't think they'll do, but <laughs> I think it would be a bad idea. I've said it before. I think it'd be a bad idea if they put him in the brightly colored costume because what makes him work so well on television is the bright colors from the flames. 
if you make his costume brightly colored as well, it really takes away from the pop. So I think he needs to be in dark colors. But Well, it'll be muted the way Flash is muted. That's just the way it is. Yeah, but it's kind of hard to mute yellow. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He's like all yellow. So, um, so hopes for the future. I, I I hope that we see more Victor Garber. I mean, he was in the episode, and Ronnie was playing Martin Stein a lot, but we didn't get as much Victor Garber as I'd like. And he was, I almost the word that keeps coming to mind was adorable. I mean, he was like adorable. I loved him. So then I, I want to see more interaction between Ronnie and the professor while they're firestorm. I hope they're able to switch back and forth. I hope we start to see the transmutation power. Because so far, they've mentioned it, but only in so much as them becoming Firestorm. You know, they haven't talked about him transforming, you know, a block of wood into, you know, plastic flowers. Exactly right. So, and I hope this starts to become fun, you know, because it's right now it's not fun. It's sort of, you know, sad and depressing. Mm -hmm. But it'll be nice to see next episode when the Kurgan goes after Firestorm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I meant Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor yeah. I mean, the guy from Earth 2. Sorry, never mind. Or the uh, prison guard from Shawshank Redemption. Right, that guy. That's the one. Yeah, that's who I meant. Goes after Firestorm. So that'll be neat to see how that plays out. And it's very interesting how they, when they ran the trailer for next week, it was all about the time travel stuff with Reverse Flash. They didn't mention Firestorm once. So they, I guess they want you to think Firestorm's dead. And then, but what's really going to happen is we're going to... From what I understand, the episode's mainly going to be about Firestorm. So... Hmm. Woo! Pretty exciting times. I Overall, guys, I'm thrilled. Yes, it is not the iconic version of Firestorm. And I do know some matchheads that are unhappy about that. But you know what? Let's, let's get the character out there. Let's raise his profile. Let's get people to know who he is first. Then let, we can get him right next time. This is, this is the, you know, once a character appears in live action, usually they're going to appear multiple times in live action, you know, as whatever the next iteration of DC franchises are. So I think it's okay to get him out there now. And then, you know, we can make it more, you know, they can make it more iconic as time goes on. It's fine with me. So yeah, what did you think? It's an interesting, you, you go ahead. I'm saying it's an interesting point because it took 56, it took, what, it took 50 years to get Aquaman into live action. And now just a couple of years after that, where he's in a movie. You yep. know? <laughs> it's like, so yep. the, 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 the half-life of that got cut down way, way down. You were about to ask me what I thought of it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I in fact, I enjoyed all the Firestorm stuff more than the Flash stuff. So every time they cut away from Firestorm to do Barry Allen dating Linda Park, which is weird <laughs> to say, Barry Allen dating Linda Park, um, I was like, ah, I don't care about all that stuff. Get back to the Firestorm. Firestorm's origin reminded me of the Hulk's origin with uh, what's-her-name as Rick Jones being dra- dragged away. You know, like, no, get him safe. Uh, I really think getting Victor Garber is the the, the sort of genius move of this. Uh, Robbie Amell is, to me, just kind of eh. Like he's just okay, um, but I Victor Garber I think is a is a really solid character actor. He's been in a lot of great movies and been on the TV shows, and he I, to me getting him is kind of a coup to to be honest. I think to, for this role, I could see him not being in it a whole lot because I think he's pretty busy uh, as an actor. He's a he has a you know big movie career, big theater career, but uh, I really enjoyed him as Martin Stein. Like to me, I can't picture anybody that's a better pick for Martin Stein. So I think they really did a great job getting him. And, uh, you know, I don't see them spinning off a Firestorm show, but at this point, anything is possible. Uh, And if you're going to get maybe a heavy hitter, kind of like Victor Garber, I could see maybe they're even thinking, maybe they're testing the water saying, you know, hey, who knows what could come of this? You know, why not? 
Well, Victor Garber, I, I agree. I cannot imagine anyone else being Martin Stein now, even though he's only had like like five lines. I mean, right. he's just he's he's that amazing of an actor, and he's perfect casting, absolutely perfect. He's, I mean, he doesn't have the same color hair as Martin, but I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I'm he not going to have a blonde Aquaman, so shut up. Right. I mean, just he is Martin Stein now to me. Robbie Amell, um, I get what you're saying about he's kind of, eh. I mean, I was fine with it. He he can be a, a likable Ronnie. You know, it works for me. But the thing about him is there is a ton of celebrity heat coming off that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is no pun way, I guess so. He is way popular in the, like, set, like, the kids, the kids today. Sure. Yeah. So he's got that Duff movie. He's Stephen Amell's cousin. He's, I mean, he is crazy popular. So yeah, no, I, I think it's going to work quite well. No, yeah, I understand why they picked them. I, I find most of the actors that they pick for these CW shows are just kind of like, eh. to me, yeah. they're, they're picked a lot for their their uh, physical attributes and less sure. for their acting ability. So that's why I think getting Garber was a particularly nice touch. Yeah. Plus, it's nice to see a guy with gray hair on a CW show. Yep, and if he does bail and Firestorm explodes and they give him uh, explodes and they give him his own show, they've got Jason Rush in their back pocket. Well, you could just get Garver just to do just some have him come in once a week and you just shoot him and then you CG it, make it that floating head, and you're done. Yeah, well, I'm just saying if they wanted, they they have um, Jason available to him too. Yes, yes. So, all right, next. Thanks. Well, yes, uh, the other news that we wanted to cover, but last week we were doing this too, was, of course, DC announced that after Convergence, post-Convergence, post-Convergence, uh, Aquaman will be getting a new creative team, uh, a new creative team that no one asked for. Um, <laughs> this, uh, the new creative team in this case is going to be writer, as I mentioned, Cullen Bunn, which is fun to say and <laughs> is not, in fact, the Muppet, and the artist is uh, Trevor McCarthy. Now, Cullen Bunn, has been writing comics for about 10 years. He currently writes a series called The Sixth Gun. Uh, no way. Okay. That I don't read it myself, but like everyone I know that reads independent comics does. Okay. And they rave about that. Okay. Well, he, so he writes much. the sixth he writes The Sixth Gun. Uh, he wrote a bunch of Deadpool comics. Uh, he wrote Fear Itself, Black Widow, uh, Fear Itself, The Fearless. He wrote a couple issues of Captain America. Uh, he said some Spider-Man, some Wolverine. Obviously, a lot of a lot of Marvel stuff. In fact, he has no DC credits, at least according to his uh, Wikipedia entry here. So I guess this is maybe DC getting. Oh wait a minute, he has a couple: Superman, and Batman, and Sinestro. So I take it back. Um, and then some stuff for IDW, and then some random other things. So you know, uh, he is going to be taking over the artist, like I mentioned, is Trevor McCarthy who has been working on various things for DC and Marvel. Uh, his most recent credits are on uh, Batwoman. Um, and he did some stuff for the DCU Halloween special a couple of years ago. Um, I, I was, you know, we had heard about that there was a chance that, that Parker and Pelletier were leaving mm. uh, before, a couple of months ago. Joe and I had heard about it, and we didn't say anything because we couldn't, and but it wasn't definite, but then it was announced. And yeah, uh, You know, I, I have to admit, my first... You know, response was not. I wasn't happy over this because, to me, no one was in. As I said, no one was asking for this. People really fell in love with Parker and Pelletier doing the book, and considering the run they were coming off of, the odds that DC would find a second creative team that would work as well as the first one, I thought was pretty, pretty, you know, pretty low. And now they're kind of upsetting the apple cart again, uh, which to me is, you know, risky, but. The, the grim reality of it is 
sales of the new 52 were, were flagging. You know, and unfortunately, it just seems like with comics now, these mainstream superheroes, they have to do these major events every couple of years to revive interest in the line. They just do. They just people just don't, you know, the days of somebody reading the same title for five years straight are, are gone. So DC felt the need to do this and shake things up a bit. Uh, apparently, you know, Aquaman's sales had slumped a little uh, not as much as maybe some other titles, because obviously a bunch of them are getting canceled. But anyway, Bunn and McCarthy taking over as a number 41. Uh, Trevor McCarthy posted a very nice drawing of Aquaman he did on his Twitter page, which we retweeted, of course. And it wasn't something he did. He's, it's not art for the book. It's just something he did on his own. And it's a really nice pinup, black and white of Aquaman floating in the water. And they both seem very excited to be taking over. Uh, I haven't spoken to Mr. Bunn yet, so I don't know how much you know, uh, fandom of Aquaman he brings to, uh, the book. Uh, but I'm really going to miss Parker and Pelletier. Really going to miss them. I think they were doing a tremendous job and I was looking forward to what they had to do after Maelstrom, but now we're not going to get the chance. So we're just going to enjoy it while it's here. And, uh, and we'll see what happens when the new guys take over. Yeah, that's probably the best way to look at it. I mean, the most positive way is enjoy what we've got. Cause we've still got several months of it. And, um, you know, enjoy for what it is, and then we'll always have these stories. There were always are, you know, as you said in a previous episode, you said this couple of people had written that Parker and Pelletier is it's their Aquaman, and those people yep. will always have that as their Aquaman. Yep. And these new guys are going to do something interesting. You know, when the news broke, um, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Rob and I were texting each other the day the uh, news broke about this, and I I didn't see the big deal. Not saying with the creative team change, but just about the whole change with convergence. Where post convergence, where you know they were canceling a bunch of books, relaunching a bunch of books, changing the artists, taking the new Fifty Two logo off it. I mean, my my essential feeling was, it's just a creative shakeup. It's, I don't know what the big news is. No, they're not ending the new Fifty Two, which is what every article said. No. They were just taking the new Fifty Two logo off the cover because it was the new Forty Nine now, and you know they got rid of some books, so they kept some books, they launched some books, and they just changed a lot of the creators. It's, it's, it's kind of standard operating procedure. Yeah. When you even mentioned the crossover stuff they got to do. Well, Convergence really, as I understand it, wasn't intended to be like their big annual crossover thing. It's, it was to cover their butts while they moved offices. Is They needed like two months off. Well, they switched offices from New York to California, so they had this thing developed months ago. That's what I thought Convergence was supposed to be. Hmm. I didn't know. Thank you sort of, sort of like... Sort of like Flashpoint really wasn't supposed to be a major crossover. It was supposed to be a stopgap to give them time to get the new 52 together. Hmm. So um, that's how I understood it. But you know what? I'm wrong about everything apparently. So Ooh, anyway, I found the I'm, stinger. The, uh, <laughs> the stinger for every episode. So the sixth gun, highly recommended by a lot of people I know. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I you know I've I've worried before about, and I've said this, and I before, and I think I even said this like last episode about the throne of Atlantis, where, you know, Aquaman's fandom to me is a mile wide, but an inch deep. And I feel like, you know, his new fans will probably ditch the book the minute they don't like it. And uh, that could really hurt Aquaman because it's not like DC is with Batman. DC will just keep finding new creative teams on Batman until they find one that works right. They're never going to give Batman up. I wouldn't say so much of that about Aquaman. So every time they change a creative team, especially one that was working, I get nervous. But now that he's going to be in the movies, they are going to keep an Aquaman book on the stands. Uh, that is, you know, this is just... Uh, 
clearly Warner Brothers on a corporate level have decided this is one of their major sort of tentpole characters now. Yay! And so on a sort of, you know, promotion and retail and, you know, or research and development phase, it's worth it for them to have an Aquaman comic book out there, even if it doesn't sell all that well. So I think the chances that Aquaman will get canceled because uh, sales dip a little are are less than they ever used to be because I just think DC is going to want, and not DC, Warner Brothers, is going to want a book called Aquaman on the stands at least for the next several years through Batman v Superman and then maybe even through the Aquaman movie. So, you know, if for some reason this team doesn't click, the, the Bunn-McCarthy team doesn't click, they'll find maybe another team and go on from there. I'm, I'm not as concerned as I used to be that, that Aquaman could get canceled on a moment's notice, which, of course, has happened many times before. Yeah. Well, just send that same memo, if you would, over to Warner Brothers' television department and make, get a Firestorm series. On, yes, on you the know, I mean, that's funny. There really should be, you know, re- when you think about it, there really should be a Firestorm series. Now, considering how much press he's getting, there really doesn't make a lot of sense that there isn't a Firestorm feature, maybe not a book, but a feature somewhere. I really thought they were going to announce one after Convergence. Mm. I really did. I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want to jinx it, and I did clearly did somehow anyway. But <laughs> anyway, all right, folks, well, share your thoughts on this episode of Fire, uh, Firestorm. Flash and <laughs> Firestorm and their atomic friends. Uh, let us know in the comments, or you can email us. Uh, Rom, what's the email address? Firewaterpodcast.comcast.net, and the Tumblr is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. And if you want to share some thoughts on that new Aquaman fishy fish, you know, creative team thing, you can you can include those too, I suppose. But oh, thank um, you. what'd you say? I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and folks, you can find my good friend Rob Kelly over at theaquamanshrine.net. You can also find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. You can find myself at firestormfan.com, also on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google+, and Tumblr. I have so. to throw out a plug before we, before we finish up. Between uh, this and the last time we talked, uh, Paul Coverberg's Secret Romances number 1 has come out, which features my first genuine comic book credit ever. Uh, it only took 25 years since graduating the Gilbert School to get one. But uh, I have some artwork in there, and you can buy that book on Amazon digitally, and you can also buy it via print. So go to Paul Coverbrook's Twitter feed or go to the Charlton Neo Twitter feed, and you can find links to where you can buy it. And it's got a, it's got, uh, a cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. his name. But if you really want Rob's first comic credit, go buy Justice League Quarterly with the Justice League Antarctica. <laughs> That's not a credit. That's art. I That's know. not a credit. I know. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> All right, folks. Until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice in sea on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! The Conway Prize for Scientific Advancement. Martin was very proud of that one. Oh, I'd always hoped to win one of these myself. Oh, and look at that. He won it three times.